We're a few days away from November the 11th when our nations remember the great cost that was made by those who fought for our freedom. Before our worship service begins now, we want to take a few moments and just reflect in silent prayer of the, the great cost that we have in our nations for our freedom. As we go about our daily lives, it's so easy to not give a thought to what it means to live in a land of freedom. I was speaking this past week to a brother from another part of the world, and he said that to live under an oppressive government where there is no freedom is hard to explain. It's hard to describe. And yet coming to a land of Canada, you don't have to seek permission to go out of your home, to gather for worship, to decide what your future is going to be. You have the freedom that we have in our land. So these things are very precious to us, and we need not be forgetful Christians. We need to be those who are good citizens of our land, and also those who are mindful of what God has done for us. I would encourage you now, if you are able, to please stand as we listen to the last post, and then have a moment of silent prayer Please stand.
Father, we give thanks today for our land and for the freedom that we have to worship, to give thanks, to meet with other believers without hindrance. We ask today that we will be not forgetful to remember the great sacrifice and cost that others have made. I pray, Lord, that we would ever pray for the maintenance of our freedom. And those that have evil designs, and those that are moving and working against the liberty of the gospel, that, Father, they would be hindered and stopped in their work. I pray that today we would know and make use of the liberty we have to spread the word of Christ far and wide. Lord, we look forward to that fulfilled prophecy of our God who makes wars to cease unto the end of the earth. And that day when Christ comes back again, all human history will be concluded. And, Father, we look forward to a time when we will be in glory with our Savior forever and ever. Until that day comes, Lord, watch over us and keep us faithful in the center of Your perfect will. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing now as we begin our worship service number 49. Hymn number 49, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Let's lift our voices in praise unto the Lord.
please be seated. <clears throat> We're going to come to the Lord now, please, for our opening prayer. And a couple of things we want to ask you to remember before the Lord now. And that is, the first one would be the prayer for Reverend Reggie Cranston, the minister of our Port Hope Congregation. We know that we've been praying for him the last few weeks. He was really set aside with a bad flu. At different times it has attacked him over the years, and he has a weakness to that. We learned also that he was taken into the hospital just yesterday, and he has pneumonia. And so do please remember, uh, Brother Cranston, your prayers that the Lord would be very near to him and to help him. And also, uh, we were missing Alvin and Adele from our service as the last little while. Uh, there are folks that have come more recently to the church, but uh, Alvin broke his ankle a couple of weeks ago, had to have surgery and have some pins put in. And so it seems between our sister Diana Bershadsky and uh, Alvin that this has been a season for that. Let's hope it doesn't come in threes. We don't want to see someone else going through that as well. We want to remember Alvin. I've talked with him there on Friday, and uh, he's doing better and hoping to be back to the Lord's house very, very soon. Let's come, please, to the Lord now in prayer. Our loving Father, we rejoice for a new day that we have been given and a new Lord's Day. And we do not take it for granted, Father, that we are able to be here. We want to count our blessings and to name them one by one. And the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, they are great and they are many. And Lord, we rejoice today that we are saved by the grace of God, everyone who is trusted in Jesus and called upon Him. And Lord, I pray that there would be encouragement to the heart of every believer today, that we would be built up in our most holy faith, that we would be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And Father, we would have on the armor of God by prayer. Dear Lord, watch over every family in our congregation. Remember the prayer that we have offered many times for the salvation of unsaved children, loved ones. Dear God, I pray that today in our own service would be a day of salvation. That some soul would cry out, what must I do to be saved? And they would come to experience and taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, we have so many reasons to be happy in the Lord. We are blessed so far beyond anything that we deserve. And I pray that today we would enter in to these blessings, that we would take the possessions that have been promised to us through the cross work of our Lord Jesus. And today, we would walk in close fellowship, in great joy and peace. Dear Lord, as we have been thinking already today about our freedom, help us to make use of that freedom, not just that we can be at ease or be careless, but rather, Lord, that we will take carefully the purpose that we have in this life and that we will serve the Master 
And to this end, Father, we pray for those who are persecuted for their faith in many lands today. And I ask, Lord, that they would be strengthened, whether it's in the prison or in some other detention place or some other restraint. O God, give great liberty and freedom. And I pray that the testimony of your people that do not have the freedom that we enjoy being persecuted for their faith, where they would be blessed abundantly. Lord, as we think about our missionaries in different places, some of them in very troubling lands, grant great liberty. And as the gospel is preached, may there be an ingathering of souls. Father, we pray for our own land. We ask that our governments would be restrained from evil and they would do according to righteous and true judgments. Even if that is not in their hearts, Lord, turn their hearts so that they will do according to that which is right. Dear God, hear our prayer. May we know reviving in our hearts an expansion of the work of God here according to Your will and also across our nation that there would be a springing up of new works, new gospel interest. And Lord, that the name of Christ might go out far and wide. We pray for Reverend Cranston this morning. Lord, he is in need of a touch of your hand. And I pray that you would watch over him and bless him now in hospital and strengthen your servant. Be with him. Encourage his heart. Be with his whole family. We pray also for Alvin today and for Diana that you would watch over them and help them in the healing process of the broken bones. They would know your presence with them and others that we have prayed for regularly. Good to see our brother Richard Teo here this morning. Encourage him and bless our brother. Remember Ron. Remember Serene. Dear Lord, remember the elderly, the aged. Pour out your blessing upon all these. And Father, those who are going through perhaps some spiritual struggle at this time, may they know your very near presence with them. So Father, hear our prayer this morning. Encourage our hearts. Bless us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a psalm now, Psalm 5. And now that you've had a moment to rest, you'll be able to stand and praise God again. Give ear unto my words, O Lord, my meditation way. Let's sing to the Lord's honor.
Amen. You may be seated. Well, we welcome you all this morning to the Lord's house. We're very, very glad that you're here in person. A good number of folks out to worship the Lord today, and also those folks viewing our service online this morning. I want you to know you are very welcome as well. Happy to see Dr. and Mrs. McClellan back with us for a couple of weeks. They were away for a little break down south, and we're glad that they are back with us safe and sound. Please remember the things in prayer I've already mentioned to you this morning, and we want to remember our school ministry continually before the Lord, that God would bless every day of operation, every staff member, every administrative decision that has to be made, and that we would know much blessing from the Lord. He would pour out His Spirit upon our students, that they would both come to know Christ as their Savior, but also go on to give their life to His direction and His will with them. Chatting with Jill, and she said that the services they had yesterday in Winston-Salem, she was down there for a women's meeting, and said they went well. I said, how did you preach? She said, I wasn't preaching. She said, I was teaching. And she said, you can never tell anyways how you're doing yourself anyway. So I was just pulling her leg a little bit. But uh, she said that there was a good number of ladies who were there, and there was a good spirit among them. And so she was thankful for the prayers also of all who were remembering her. I want to read out a little thank you note here from the CU family, from Lou and Lydia, and from Eunice and Caleb in the recent passing of uh, Lou's mother and Eunice's grandmother. Thank you to our dear church family for your love and prayers and support for the passing of our mother and grandmother. We could truly feel our brothers and sisters bearing our burdens in Christ, and we are truly grateful to be a part of this fellowship. We thank God for you all, for God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1, and that's love in Christ from Lou, Lydia, Eunice, and Caleb. Remember these dear folks and others who have recently lost loved ones. Remember, please, our services today at 5.50. We have our pre-service prayer time. And then at 6.30 tonight, as we continue, I trust, in our study of the life of Daniel. Remember, all, please, also, this coming Wednesday, we have a special service because our, the Pregnancy Care Center representative, Linda Bartsey, will be with us on Wednesday to bring a presentation of the work of the Pregnancy Care Center. And if you have been following that work at all or giving in any way donations to that, well, that's a good cause, and you're able to either directly donate to that ministry or you can do it also through our church, and the funds could, would be forwarded to them. But please keep that in prayer for Wednesday night and come in good time for that meeting. We hope to have a, a fellowship time after the meeting on Wednesday night, and so just a, some light refreshment, an opportunity to wait behind and uh, talk with uh, Mrs. Bartsey about that work. So ladies, please consider that for Wednesday night. 
Then our recession and board meeting we have on Thursday of this incoming week at 6 and 7.30. It's our regular monthly meeting. And on Friday night, the gym fellowship continues from 6 to 9 o'clock. Those are all the ministry announcements we have at this time. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 207, and remain seated while we sing. Please turn now in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. John's Gospel, chapter 16. We're going to read from verse 19. So far as we have been looking at the context of chapter 16, the Lord promises to them, His disciples, in this message, among the final words that He is speaking to them, that there is going to be trouble. But they are not to fear because the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is going to come. And when He is come... Christ will have departed to glory, 
And then they are going to ask of the Father in prayer in Jesus' name, because up to that point, they had not been doing that. And the Lord promised that what they would ask in Christ's name, which was ultimately meaning for the glory of God and for the honor of Christ, they would have that petition they desired of Him. And so, these things are important for us to understand. And one of the things that the disciples sometimes were fearful to ask the Lord because they didn't want him to think they didn't get it. And so he was talking to them, and they were walking along the road, and they didn't quite understand what he was saying, but they didn't want to ask him about what it means this little while you're going to go away and then come back. What's that all about? Well, we pick up our reading at verse 19. Now, Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of what I said a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you that whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in proverbs or parables. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world, Again, I leave the world and go to my Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee? By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things 
have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And this last verse of chapter 16 is what I want us to think upon today. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, as we have the Word open now, we pray our hearts will be open. We need to understand. Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God will take these things, not only give us clarity to understand, but we pray, Lord, that its truth will be applied to our hearts. Hear our prayer today. Give me strength, Lord. Give me help. There is no ability within men. There is no power to proclaim the truth apart from that which is granted by the Spirit of God. And therefore, Lord, today we pray that as You have called me to preach the truth, that, Lord, every heart and every ear would have understanding in these words. Hear us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace, for in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I want us to think today on Christ's words of peace, courage, and of victory. So this is among the, the final teaching of our Lord to His disciples. The end of chapter 16, John's Gospel, and the entrance into chapter 17 begins the high priestly prayer of Jesus. But His teaching is now, from a public sense or privately to His disciples, now come to the end. Perhaps you may have thought that in this final chapter, instead of speaking about the difficulties, the Lord may have spoken only of positive things, reasons for these disciples to want to stick around a while, reasons for them to be positive, be encouraged, go forward, be victorious. But instead, they are warned about being kicked out of the synagogues and churches. They're warned about being arrested and imprisoned, and even to the point where they will be put to death for no other reason than the cause of our Lord Jesus Christ. The opening verse of chapter 16, he said, These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They had every good reason to be offended because of what was going to happen to them. But the Lord said, I don't want you to be offended. The word offended, it means to be 
scandalized. The word, it is to be enticed to sin due to discouragement. Or we could put it this way, because of some stumbling block put in your way that you would give up on your faith. There were many stumbling blocks that Jesus said is going to be in front of His people, and indeed in that sense, in front of His entire church through every generation. But they should not be offended or scandalized or discouraged because of that. It's the same word that Jesus used when He warned about offending little children and the person who was guilty of that, of putting a stumbling block, some difficulty, some scandal in front of a child, that it would be better for them to have a big heavy rock hanging around their neck and thrown into the depth of the sea to be drowned. So what is our Lord doing here? He is preparing them, His servants, and saying, life is going to be hard. Things are going to get worse, much worse than you have ever seen them. There are going to be trials and persecutions, but no matter, he is saying to them, how hard it gets, and no matter how much you might be tempted to turn away from your faith, once you put your hand to the plow to look back and turn back, he said, do not be offended. You have a calling of God. You have a work to fulfill in your Christian life. And brothers and sisters today, this word applies to us. J.C. Ryle, he wrote these words. He said, no Christian is in a healthy state of mind who is not prepared for trouble and persecution. He that expects to cross troubled waters of this world and to reach heaven with wind and tide always in his favor, knows nothing, as he ought to know. We never can tell what is before us in life, but of one thing we may be very sure, that we must carry the cross if we will wear a crown. Let us grasp this principle firmly and never forget it, then, when the hour of trial comes, we shall not be offended. Wise words. But our Lord did speak words of encouragement to His disciples. We thought of a couple of them already. Of course, the great encouragement of the Holy Spirit coming and the Comforter who would abide and dwell within the life of every single believer that the Father, the Trinity, would abide within the life of those who are truly saved, and of what that would mean to carry us through. And further, Jesus said, you understand these things now, you know them, you have no reason to be offended, because the Father loves you. And the Father loves you, and He knows that you love Him because you have loved me, Jesus said, and you have followed me. And of all the intellectuals in Christ's day, and of all the religious people in His day, and of all those who really couldn't care less because they thought they knew better, 
of all the multitudes, Jesus coming to His own and His own receiving Him not, these disciples and the few followers who were there, they were the ones who received the Lord gladly. The laborers, the sinners, the fishermen, the common people. They heard the Lord and received Him gladly. And yet, though they affirmed their belief, the Lord said that shortly they would be scattered and leave Him. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? The disciples say, well, now, Lord, we know You're not speaking in parables. Now we get it. Now we understand. Now we will follow. And Jesus says, will you now follow? In just a few moments, you're all going to be scattered and leave me alone. But the Lord said not to rebuke them. He told them what was going to take place, but He told them only that you have hope because in me there is peace. And you have taken my words. And these things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I pray that today, believers, I pray that today as we look at this closing word of our Lord's teaching, that when we face times of persecution, and trial, that we will not despair, be offended, that we will have the peace and the courage and the victory that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thought I leave with you this morning is this, the immeasurable value of Christ's Word to His church. The immeasurable value You know, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. No one has to convince you of that. I remember when I was trying to grapple as a young boy with the issues of salvation, my dad put to me, well, do you believe that God exists? Yes, I believe that. He said, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? And yes, as a young boy, I said, yes, I do believe that. No one had to convince me of it because God had already convinced me of that in my heart in a very simple way. And friend, if you love Christ today, no one has to convince you that God's Word is true. In fact, it has been breathed out from the Lord. It has come from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it is the message of the mind of God given to the minds of men. That's what God's revelation is. And He has given us His revelation in nature. We see and know by the wonders of creation that something did this. Someone did this. But one thing we cannot tell from nature is the personal relationship that we are to have with God. And He has revealed that through His own holy and precious Word. So, we believe in the verbal inspiration of the Scriptures, which means that the Holy Spirit directed the writers of the Bible to write down what He wanted them to communicate. And that has quite a wide range because it involves the laws of God, it involves His instructions, His warnings, His judgments, the historical records that are given, and even 
The thinking of evil men is recorded accurately in the Bible. This is verbal inspiration. And it all is with divine accuracy. We believe in the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God. This doctrine, though, is denied. It's often denied by those who are ungodly because they don't care less. They just think the Bible is some kind of history book and it's just no different than any other history book. And therefore, why should I believe it is from God? Their minds are closed. Their eyes are blinded. They do not believe in that. But there are those who call themselves Christians or theological liberals, and they would question every detail, every author who wrote this, when they wrote it. They, by the time they're finished in their evaluation, they have torn the Bible to shreds. There's nothing left. And sadly... Sometimes, even in modern evangelical churches, the Bible is, is questioned. You know what it does? It all boils down to this. It's the authority of the Bible. Do you believe that the Bible is authoritative? Do you believe it has come from God to give instruction to mankind? And if you have received the Lord as your own, then, my dear friends, you believe that. If you are an unbeliever today, and you're not sure where all this falls down, then I would encourage you to ask God to make Himself known to you through the Bible. Ask God, Lord, I don't know. God, if there be a God, make Yourself known to me. And come and read the Word that is called the Bible that declares itself as being from the God of heaven and earth. And I say, friend, if you want to know the truth, the Lord will make His truth known to you. So do you believe today that the Bible is divinely inspired? And if so, do, do you submit yourself to the authority of this revelation in all matters of our faith and our practice? That's a question for us all to answer honestly and silently and quietly before the Lord as we're before Him, because where it boils down to is that how does it work out in our day-to-day -day life? Are we following Christ? Are we following His Word? Or are there issues in our life that we're, we're hitting against the, the wall of the Scripture, and we are bouncing back off it, and we're not submitting ourselves to it? Well, let's pray that God will give us a submissive heart in all of these areas. So how does this apply to the statement that Jesus made here, these things have I spoken unto you? The application is that the words of Christ, they form part of the whole counsel and message of God to His people. The Lord's teaching was part of that on going revelation of the Spirit to the church until the Bible was completed. There are several examples of developing revelation, if we could call it that. For example, in the Old Testament, the first five books of Moses, when God directed His servant to write those books and to put them for His people, the rest of the Bible had not been written yet. 
And so there was an element of degrees of centuries of the progressive revelation of God's truth as He gave that to His church, His people, be in the Old Testament or it comes to the New Testament. Remember when the Apostle Paul was writing and when Jesus was on earth, there was no New Testament. And the Bible verses that he quoted were all from the prophets along with the commandments that he himself gave. And so now that we have the Bible in its completed form, to study the complete teaching of Christ from the Sermon on the Mount right to this last verse of Scripture that we have, we will gain a very wide understanding of the value and the import of all of God's words and as we study specifically the words of Christ. These things that Jesus had spoken in the last They not only apply, my dear friends, to the upper room, not only to the Garden of Gethsemane, but to all of His teaching. Everything that our Lord spoke, He spoke it for His disciples. He spoke it for every true child of faith. And we pray in our prayer that the Holy Spirit will apply this teaching to our hearts. The value of such words, they cannot be measured by a human intellect because they are divine. They're from God. And the Word of God is a living Word. We often express that. It's a living Word because God uses that Word to awaken deadened hearts. He uses His living Word to direct us. Some things are very mysterious in the Bible and they're not fully known and they will not be until heaven I assume, while other things are very crystal clear, and what are things that are crystal clear regarding sin, death, salvation, and judgment to come? Those are elements, and as Jesus was speaking about here, they become very clear. And I say to you today, friend, if you are not a Christian today, if you are not a believer, are you listening to the word that Jesus has spoken to you? He has said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, you must be born again. These are commands of Christ. These are the words of Jesus. These things, these words I have spoken unto you. And how have you responded to them? The Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How do you respond? Are you listening and are you hearing the Word of God? And Christian, we may apply that to ourselves too. Are we with an ear spiritually tuned, listening to what the Lord has to say to us? Or do we have to admit sometimes There are just too many distractions in life. I'm too busy. I've got too many things to do. I've got family. I've got work. I've got all the stuff we have to do. And sometimes we're so busy that we're not listening anymore. The noise that's going on around us, it's deadening the voice of Christ and of His Word to our our hearts. Let's be careful that we are not too consumed with our own things, or with other distractions of life. And isn't it always a balance, Christian? 
We must be balanced people in our life. We know our responsibilities. We know what we have to do going forward. But we must seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. These words that Jesus spoke. Please notice in the second thought this morning, the promise that He spoke of peace. I don't need to tell you that we are in a troubled world today. There are warfare. There's anarchy. There are disturbances. There are controlling governments that are persecuting people. There are troubles in our own land. We have many issues today that we face. When we were unsaved people, we were, we were enemies against God. We did not want the Lord to rule over us. We did not want to surrender to His control. But when we were made spiritually alive in Christ, and our hearts were open to receive the Lord by faith, we were saved from our sin, we were put on the road to heaven, and we embraced the Savior. We took Him as our own. And we were made one with Him. And then we had peace in our troubled hearts. Christian, do you remember that day? Do you remember what that was like when you were brought out of darkness and into light? Do you experience and know that peace now in your soul? When Christ came in, the storms and the trouble of our lives and that which was the greatest storm of sin, it was calmed and stilled and our sins were forgiven, and Christ took the throne of our life. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. What a great truth! What a great blessing that we have. And when Christ came into our lives, we were converted and saved from all the storms of guilt and fear. Did I say we were converted? We were converted from them but the devil loves to bring them back to us again. Whenever he tries that in your heart, silence the wicked one by coming back to the victory of Calvary and the victory of Jesus. Christ is our peace. Ephesians 2.14 And believers as we are called to seek after peace and pursue it, we are called to be peacemakers. We are not to be like Amalek, warlike. Israel fought against Amalek, and that was not a nice nation. Finally, God eradicated them completely. But too often, we see Amalek in our old nature, and we see that warlike part coming out. And we have to pray much in the grace of God that the old man will die daily and that we will live unto righteousness and the end to everlasting life. Amalek always leads to division and to contention and to warfare. But we want the Spirit of Christ. There are times when our own pride and stubbornness will rise up. And in the Christian church, when that happens... It only brings division. It, it only brings tension and distress. 
We would do well all to pray, Lord, let us be people of peace, to know the peace of God, and to go forward in Him. It is not of Christ or His Spirit that we go down that other way, that other path. Therefore, to resist such behavior, we must pray for the mind of the Lord to be in us, that we will know practically and experimentally what His peace is within our hearts and how we can possess it and apply it so that we are recognized as true followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. The hymn writer wrote these words, Peace, perfect peace, in this dark world of sin, the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Peace, perfect peace, with sorrows surging round, in Jesus resting, naught but calm is found. Our future all unknown, Jesus we know, and He is on the throne. By thronging duties pressed to do the will of Jesus, this is best. It is enough. Earth's struggles soon will cease, and Jesus call us heaven's perfect peace. May we know that in our hearts today. But the Lord didn't stop there. Not only did He promise peace, but He gave a promise of tribulation. There are many promises that we have in the Bible that are sometimes written on posters or cards or bookmarks, and they're written there for the intention of encouraging us along our Christian path, and they are a blessing to us. But there are not too many posters that you would see in the world, you will have tribulation, have a nice day. It doesn't work like that, because those type of promises are not the ones that are often put forward. The word tribulation here in our text, it is a word that means affliction or trouble. You would get that. But it comes from the word that means the root word that means to press. And the idea behind that is in a press where grapes would be put in and a large upper stone would be put down upon the grapes and they would be pressed against a lower stone and as the wheel would be turned, the grapes would be squished and the juice would come out. We have an expression in our language, I sometimes find myself between a rock and a hard place. Well, that's a bit the way the grape feels when it's being squished as well. And there are difficulties. It's one thing, you know, when we suffer for our own foolishness or bad decisions, but it's quite a different thing when we suffer for righteousness' sake. And yet our Lord Jesus said, Happy are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. This is the right perspective for a Christian's thinking. There's no free ride to heaven. Oh, I know we have received our salvation freely. But in the sense of no free ride, it means that you're not going to get from earth to glory without suffering and without going through some trials. Therefore, let us take this promise 
from God. And not be surprised when the trials and suffering come as though some strange thing happened to us. Why me would be sometimes the first words out of our mouth. How come me, Lord? It doesn't make any sense. Why me? No, don't say that. But rather say, if in doubt, Lord, I don't understand how come you have done this to me. Give me faith. Give me understanding so that I will not kick against the way of God. Therefore, let us take this promise that the Lord has given. There is a promise that we will go through tribulations and not be surprised about it and think it's a strange or unusual thing because we have also been called, friends, to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Maybe today we are not suffering any major issue. But let it not be a day of ease. Let's not take our time for granted, but to use the day of peace to prepare for the day of trouble by building up ourselves in our most holy faith, by memorizing the Scripture, by committing ourselves to its teaching, and by keeping our spiritual priorities in order, remembering that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we thought today already about the immeasurable value of Christ's words. We've also been thinking about the promise of peace and our Lord's promise of tribulation. What else do we have here from this final word of our Lord? We have the clear perspective of victory in Christ. And what a precious way for Jesus to end His public teaching that there will be an overcoming because our Lord Jesus has overcome. And of course, at that time, He had not suffered the cross. He was going there, but our Lord knew the end. And He knew He would be victorious even though He had to step through every grueling detail Yet He was an overcomer. And we today are overcomers in Him. What is it that gives a Christian hope for eternity? Is it good living and kind actions or pleasant surroundings? Is that what's going to give us hope and victory in eternity? No, we know that's not the case. It is that Christ is alive and that He lives in the power of an endless life, and that He rose from the dead, and He is victorious over Satan and death and hell and all sin. It's because today, friends, you and I are alive in Christ. We have a vital union with Him. And because we are a branch connected to the vine, we have our life in Jesus. And the victory of Christ over the world and the flesh and the devil, it gives to every true Christian reason to live. You have a reason to live today 
because you have a purpose to live. And that purpose is for the glory of King Jesus. Even in light of great tribulation, our Lord Jesus encouraged us that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And He tells us to have good cheer. What's that word mean? It means to have good courage. It means to have spiritual bravery. That's what the meaning of good cheer is. Let us be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. On the screen behind me now is a a quotation by J.C. Ryle. He said, The sorrows and losses and crosses and disappointments of our life may often make us feel sorely cast down, but let them only make us tighten our hold upon Christ. It was the year 1685, a man by the name of John Brown. He was known as a Scottish covenanter. He lived during that time period known as the killing times, when the covenanters, those who were believers standing on the Word of God and their Christian convictions were hunted down like animals, imprisoned, and often killed. John Brown had not made any public demonstrations against the King of England. He was a quiet man, for the most part living as a simple laborer. His only crime was that he refused to attend the Church of England, the Anglican Church at that time, and instead he worshipped God in the fields with others of like precious faith. Graham Claverhouse was a Scottish soldier of the king, and his job was to track down covenanters. And so on the morning of May the 1st, 1685, John Brown was captured at his home where he was with his wife and two children. He had refused to comply with the regulation of attendance at the local church, and Claverhouse put that to him, will you attend the church and will you pray for the king? And upon which John Brown answered, according to his Christian conviction. And Claverhouse shouted, Then you will die! With his wife and children standing near, and after praying earnestly for his family, so much so that the soldiers with Claverhouse began tears to run down their faces. And Claverhouse ordered his soldiers, Shoot him! And they refused. They wouldn't do it. And so Claverhouse took his pistol out and shot the man dead. Earlier that morning, 
at family devotions, John Brown read John chapter 16 with this ending verse. Yes, there will be peace. Yes, there will be tribulation. But be of good cheer, Christ said, for I have overcome the world. And at that moment, John Brown, he was an overcomer. For what that evil man thought to do to take the life and rid Scotland of another heretic, it was the entrance into glory for that man. And today, he wears a martyr's crown. I pray, friends, that God will strengthen us to be faithful in our day, and no matter what the cost, and it will be to the glory of King Jesus. We'll bow, please, in prayer. Father, today we pray earnestly that these words would be written on our hearts, that we would take them not just when the sun is shining, but to have them applied when the clouds are over and we can't see light or sun for many days. O oh God, may we learn what it means to endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ, and help us to be joyful and victorious believers because, as Psalm 144 tells us, happy, blessed is that people who know the Lord. And therefore today, encourage our hearts and bless us as we close this service and begin now our time of communion around the table of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn in closing now. Number 288, I Hear the Words of Love. If you're not able to stay for communion, please feel free to leave during the time of the singing of the hymn.
be seated.